Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. ago I was reading in my quiet time journal. I'm going through a quiet time book called My Heart Cries Out by Paul David Tripp. Paul David Tripp is a pastor. He's a great writer. He's one of my favorites. And there are a lot of times when I'm reading Paul David Tripp where I'm encouraged. There's a lot of times I'm reading Paul David Tripp and I get mad at him. I'm like, don't you be telling me truth right now, Paul David Tripp. And there's a lot of times where it's exactly what I need to hear in the time. So I was having some time with the Lord, and I'm going to share with you what I read in my quiet time journal because it will help set the tone and our navigation for where we are going today. The quiet time entry in My Heart Cries Out was called One Thing, and it says this, one thing, one thing, one thing. It's hard to imagine one thing. When I seem to be attracted to so many things, It is a continuing struggle. It is a daily battle. It is my constant war. The world of physical attracts me, excites me, magnetizes me, and addicts me. I confuse consumption with satisfaction. I confuse satisfied sense with true joy. I confuse a stomach that is full with a heart at rest. Sometimes I would rather have my appetite satisfied than a grace-filled heart. Sometimes I would rather hold the physical than have the eyes of my heart filled with the beauty of the spiritual. I am tired of only seeing what my physical eyes can see. I want eyes to see what cannot be seen. I am tired of craving people, possessions, locations, circumstances, positions, experiences, and appearances. That would be a good place for amen. Somewhere in my heart... I know that only you satisfy. Deep in my heart, I want you to be enough. I must quit moving, running, driving, pursuing, consuming. I need to stop. I need to be quiet. I need to sit in the seat of grace and wait and wait until these blind eyes see, until this cold heart craves The one beauty that satisfies, the one beauty is you. That was based on a psalm, Psalm 42. And it's kind of familiar. It starts, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. And if any of you are people that were born in the the 80s, raised in the 80s and 90s, I remember as the deer because it took me back to being in middle school, y'all. And back in the day, we had an overhead projector. If you don't know what that is, ask somebody. It was modern technology at its best. And what we used to do, this is going to be crazy, what we used to do is there used to be a student up front that would change the, the, the gel. Y'all like, what's a gel? It was the thing that the words were printed on that would, like, be projected behind you. And everyone in the student ministry back in the day wanted that job because that means that everybody was looking at you and you had something important to do. I remember that I, on occasion, would get to be the person who would change the thing off of that projector, and I remember singing these words as the deer, and it was a little different, you know, than what I was used to. It was very, like, kind of chill, and then it kind of got warmed up, but as the deer panthers for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. It was strong, y'all. 
And then in the chorus, we got really going, like the Holy Spirit started to move. You alone are my... Y'all remember? And listen, I remember like reading those words and singing the songs. And I remember thinking as a teenager, like, what is this song? Because it really wasn't what I was listening to in the car. But the older I have gotten, and as I look back on those words to Psalm 42, that's the invitation that God gives to each and every one of us. Because we are all thirsty. And we are all guilty of trying to satisfy our thirst with lesser thirst quenchers. We know that God reminds us and we know the invitation that God gives us. And he says, you know what? Come to me all who are thirsty and I will give you a drink. Come to me if you're thirsty and you can drink until you're full. We all know that, but we have all been guilty of trying to quench our thirst with lesser things. Here's where we're going to be today. Today, maybe we just pull back all the distractions and say, all right, Lord, I will go to the well because the well is what truly satisfies. Today, instead of me just trying to be better and do more and trying to fill my thirst with money, trying to fill my thirst with things, trying to fill my thirst with how many likes I have on Instagram, maybe in this moment today we're reminded that the only way our thirst can be truly quenched is through the well of the king because we all are thirsty and we all are guilty of trying to satisfy our thirst with lesser thirst quenchers. I am type 1 diabetic and I found out I was type 1 diabetic when I was 18 years old. And I remember I thought I had a stomach bug. And so because I thought I had a stomach bug, what I did was to get some more electrolytes in me and to be hydrated was I drank a lot of Powerade. If you know anything about type 1 diabetes, what you do not need is more sugar. But drinking the Powerade, it caused me to be even more sick, and I didn't even realize it. So I kept going to the Powerade and drinking the Powerade and drinking the Powerade, and what ended up happening was that Powerade never satisfied my thirst. What it really did was it made me even thirstier and even sicker. And what is true about a lot of us, myself included, is we will run to things to quench our thirst, and instead of leaving us satisfied, you know what it does? It causes us to be thirstier. And that is not the invitation from the king. We have been invited to drink the best thing, and that's from the well of the king. So may we, in the next few moments, just be reminded of what is true. Maybe you find yourself in a really thirsty position and you've been running to so many different things to quench your thirst and you are learning that those things do not satisfy. Let me tell you what does and let me tell you what well is always open. It's the well of the king. So as we dive into scripture, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for your truth. Thank you that you invite us to drink from the well that satisfies us. Thank you that you have invited a people who were far from you to come and dine at your table and drink from your well. And so, Father, may we accept your invitation. May we drink until we're full and may we drink again and again and again and again. So, Father, I pray that you will give us wisdom, that you will open up our hearts and our minds. And, Lord, let us not just be hearers of your word in this place. But let us take what is heard, the truth from your word, and let us apply it to our lives and walk this out tomorrow, and then again, and again, and again. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.
So Psalm 42 is not written by David. And whenever I come upon a psalm that's not written by David, I'm like, who, who got a psalm that's not David? What's up with that? Who let you in here, right? Because it just doesn't make sense to me. And so this one is called A Maskell of the Sons of Korah. And so what got me thinking was, who is Korah and why are his sons writing the psalm? And what the heck is a maskel, right? It's just true. They're writing basically a prayer. A little background on who Korah is is found in Numbers chapter 16, verse 28. I'm going to give you a little background so this makes a little bit more sense to you. So Korah was a guy that was back with Moses that thought, you know what, Moses, you are not doing it right. I know you're telling us just to come to the Lord, but there has to be more. I know better than God knows. And so this guy named Korah kind of set an uptick in the camp. And he was like, listen, there is more. There's a better way to do it. So let's dive in. Numbers chapter 16, verse 28. Then Moses said, after this, Korah comes to him and tells him he's not doing it the right way. This is how you will know that the Lord has sent me to do all these things and that it was not my idea. If these men die a natural death and suffer the fate of all mankind, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord brings about something totally new and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them with everything that belongs to them and they go down alive into the realm of the dead, then you will know that these men have treated the Lord with contempt. That is strong, everybody. Moses goes, listen, if my way is not the right way, fine. These guys will die of a normal death. But if my way is God's way, then these guys are about to be swallowed by the ground while they're alive. Woo, okay. Verse 31. As soon as he finished saying all of this, the ground under them split apart, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned. The earth closed over them, and they perished and were gone from the community. At their cries, all the Israelites around them fled shouting, The earth is going to swallow us too. I'm with them. I would have been running too. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering their incense. Here is kind of the bottom line of this. There is a way that seems right to man that is foolishness. There are things that we try to fill our thirst with that do not satisfy, and they actually lead us to the end of ourselves. But the Lord's way will prosper. Drinking from the wrong well temporarily satisfies, but doesn't ultimately satisfy. Let me say that again. Drinking from the wrong well temporarily satisfies, but doesn't ultimately satisfy. It would be like drinking salt water. You think that you were being, that your thirst is being quenched, but what actually happens when you drink salt water? You become thirstier and you become more dehydrated. And so it may temporarily satisfy, but it will not ultimately satisfy. You might be going, okay, then what does satisfy? The Lord. And I'm not sitting here telling you that just because I'm a pastor. I'm sitting here telling you that because I have tried to go to other wells and they do not satisfy. I tried to be like, oh, people know my name. That will be enough. That's not enough. Look at the amount of money I have in the bank. This must be enough. That is not enough. Look at the people who like my picture on Instagram. That must be enough. That is not enough. It's not enough. But what has never disappointed me is the well of the Lord. And maybe you're in a place where you have a hard time believing that. But I'm telling you, it is truth. And that brings us to Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1. It says this. 
As the deer paints for streams of water, so my soul paints for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Here is an inconvenient truth that I do not like. The harder the journey, the thirstier we get. I don't like that. See, what I really want the case to be is, Lord, make my way easy. Lord, make the burden light. Lord, allow everything to always go the way that I want it to go. Lord, allow my prayers to be answered in which the way I prayed them. Lord, I really would like for you to heal everyone in my life that is sick, and I really want my finances to always be in check, and I really want there to always be harmony in my family. But here is the truth of the matter. If everything is always easy, then I won't thirst for the things of God. If my way is always light, then I will start depending on Nick and forget who is really in charge, and who really invites me to walk alongside them. But the more I walk this life and the hard times that come my way, the thirstier I get for the Lord. Think about it. In your hardest of times, in your deepest of valleys, that's typically when we're more aware of the hand of God. The harder the journey, the thirstier we get. I don't like it. But can I just tell you, but I do want to be filled from the well of the king because that is really what satisfies. I was talking with my wife yesterday and we were just talking, I was telling her how next year I think I'm going to skip November because November has not been a good month for me in the last probably six years, seven years. It just hasn't. And we were talking, I was kind of going over why November has been so hard. And I was like, well, you know, six years ago, I lost my brother. Five years ago, I lost a pastor I worked for from cancer. Four years, I lost an aunt. And then yesterday, we lost my dog. And so I'm sitting there with her yesterday. I'm just like, you know what? I'm done with you, November. Let's just mark you off of the calendar because this is hard. I'm, I just want to be done. And it's funny when you say things out loud, how the Holy Spirit just meets you in that place. And so I'm sitting there and I'm having this conversation with my wife and the Holy Spirit said, you know what, Nick, but I'm with you every step of the way. Nick, I've been in the midst of those valleys. I've been in the midst of those dark times. I've been in the midst of the pain. I've been in the midst of it every single time. And I have shown you that in the midst of the brokenness, I am still good. And I'm still on my throne. And the well is still open for you to come and take a drink. But, Nick, here's what's true about the human condition. If everything is always easy, you wouldn't drink. And I don't want that to be true. But just because I might not want that to be true doesn't make it less true. Sometimes the harder the journey, I do get thirstier and I know I can come to the well. And here's what I love about Romans 8.28. It says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good. Notice, it does not say in all things are good. And you look, Paul, did you get that wrong? I mean, come on now. I want all things to be good. God will work all things to be good. But no, it says, and we know that in all things, God works 
for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Here is the hope. As we go through hard times, not if we go through hard times, as we go through hard times, God is in the redemption business. So he is able to take the broken things and make them something beautiful. He is able to take the hard times to mold us into the picture of what he wants, and that picture is Jesus. We know that the Lord is working in the midst of the broken things to make beautiful things. Psalm 42, verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Remember how your thirst has been quenched in the past. And we talk about this a lot, everybody. We have bad memories. We typically are a people that remember the things we should forget, and we are a people that forget the very thing that we should remember. So the writer of this psalm goes, listen, I will remember. I'll remember how you have given me drink when I was thirsty before. I will remember how you have worked things for the good. I will remember what is true. Why? Because listen, in the midst of the valley, we need to be really good at remembering that our God is still good. In the midst of hard times, in the midst of the breakup, in the midst of the diagnosis, we have to remember that we don't have a God that is far off, but we have a God who is near to the brokenhearted and those who are downcast. We have to remember that he has come through before, and guess what? He is still in the business of coming through again. Your God has not fallen asleep at the will of everybody. And as I say that to you, I'm saying that to myself. Because sometimes the circumstances paint a different picture to us of what is true. But here's what I know to be true, is that he has come through before, he is good, and he has answered my number one need, and that's him overcoming death. And as long as the tomb is still empty, there is hope, everybody. Just look to the tomb. There is no Savior there. Remember, he folded his grave clothes up and said, hey, I'm coming back to get you. I have answered the number one need of your life. So in those moments where you forget and you are wondering, will this thirst ever be quenched? Remember that I have satisfied your thirst ultimately with the payment of my son Jesus. Verse number six. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all the waves and breakers have swept over me. Sometimes the well of the Lord does not seem to satisfy. Listen, do not let your current place tell you of the future outcome. Do not let what you are walking through currently paint the picture of what you will always be walking through and how it will always will be. Can I just tell you, this leg of the journey is a temporary leg of the journey. And I get some of you are going, but Nick, you don't know my story. Listen, I know my own story. I know that there have been times where you go, "Woo, Lord, a breakthrough would be nice now. Lord, if you want to go ahead and come through, come through now. 
But can I just tell you, hindsight is 20-20. Sometimes our foresight's off. Sometimes we fail to see that, hey, the breakthrough is coming and the walls are going to fall. And, Lord, you are ultimately good even though you don't feel good right now. I know you have not forgotten me. And hear me, everybody. I just want to remind we talked about this through smoke signals. God did not send his son to redeem you, to leave you in the broken mess that you were in. Your worth has been established and seen on a cross. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're in this place because God doesn't love you and God is not for you. That is not true. What is true is the world is broken and Jesus is the great redeemer and he's in the process of mending broken things. And ultimately, we know that when we arrive in glory with him, all things will be made new. But right now, we're in process. So right now, there are times where we are thirsty and he invites us to drink and then drink and then drink again. And I think sometimes when the canvas is most empty, we go, look at how bleak this canvas looks. But I look at it this way. The Lord, the Lord is on the verge of a masterpiece. And my wife would tell you that I'm always half, glass half full. She'd be like, Nick, can you just be in the dirt with me for a minute? But listen, I'm not telling you something to make you feel better. I'm just telling you what I've seen to be true. And I have just seen over the course of my own life, in my own story, in my own narrative, that when times are the most bleak, that's when God shows up and reveals a masterpiece in ways that I never thought or imagined. Verse 8. By the day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones surf for mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all the day long, where is your God? Sometimes we can't see the evidence of the Lord moving. It doesn't mean that he is not moving. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Here is what is true. Hydration is a process. Let me say it again. Hydration is a process. If you're running a race... You do not just drink once, do you? And go, hey, this will satisfy me the whole race. If you're running a marathon, which this Christian life and this Christian walk is a marathon, you don't just drink one time and plan to be hydrated the whole time. No, hydration is a process. That means you come back and you come back and you come back and you come back. Because hydration truly is a process. And the, the writer of the psalm He's reminded himself, but he keeps coming back to the well. Keeps coming back to the well. To be hydrated by the right thing is a choice. Hear me. You can keep drinking from what you've been drinking from, and you will continue to get what you've always gotten. Or 
Maybe come to the well that you've been invited to drink from. John 7, verse 37 says this. On the last and greatest days of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Notice, though, it's an invitation. Come to me, all who are thirsty. You have a choice to go to the well or not. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Another way to say this, come and drink from me and it will satisfy. Again, there's a choice. There's a choice to be made. Either you can align with him or do it by your own agenda. It is your choice. And for me, I'm in the process of going, all right, Lord, I'll just join you in your work. Because it says that all these things will be given to you as well. Everything that I need will be added to me when I align myself and come drink from your well. John 14, verse 11. When Jesus is having the conversation with a Samaritan woman, he says this. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I love this because she's saying, hey, I have all this stuff in order to get my water. I have all these attributes, all these ways of getting this living water. I will work, work, work really hard to get this water. And then she looks at Jesus and goes, hey, Jesus, you don't have all these things to get this living water. And I love Jesus, y'all. She keeps going. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? as it also his sons and livestock. Verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She hears the word of Jesus and says, I'll take some of that. You mean to tell me that it's not by just being good enough and doing the right thing and having enough in the bank and having the right job and having the perfect family? She's like, those things don't lead to living water. Jesus goes, no, the only thing that leads to living water is me. And the well is open, and you can come and drink as much as you want. Hmm. It's a great invitation, but it seems so difficult. You might be sitting there, you might be going, okay, so if I do want this living water, what do I do? Sit with the king. Be reminded of the king. Sit with others to remind you of what is true about your king who offers you this living water. Pray often. Talk to the king. That's a conversation. Here's the thing. Don't let that be a one-sided conversation. That's not prayer. That's called a dialogue. That's called you telling the king how to get on your agenda. And guys, that is not the way it works. We talk to the king to see what his agenda is, and we go, you know what? That is a better way to go. I was talking with my mentor about a week ago. And sometimes he makes me really upset, just for the record. 
Because I really want him just to tell me how awesome I am, and that's not what he does. And we were talking, and he says, Nick, have you ever thought about a rose? And I was like, oh, Lord. Because typically he's about to tell me this long thing that I really don't want to hear, but I need to hear it. But he says, have you ever thought about a rose and unfolding a rose? And I was like, no, I've never thought about it. He's like, here's the crazy thing. You can unfold a rose manually, but what happens is you leave the rose in shambles. And I was like, well, that's kind of obvious. And he's like, Nick, think about your life. Think about how many times and how often you have tried to get the rose to do something in your own strength, in your own might, and it ends up leaving the rose in shambles. I was like, well, you've been talking to the Holy Spirit because that happens a lot. He goes, man, a rose is not meant to be manually unfolded by your hands. It's something that has to happen within the rose, and it takes time. And I said, okay, what does that have to do with my life? (laughs) He goes, Nick, here's the truth of the rose. He's like, eventually it will be opened, but it takes watering. It takes sunlight. It takes the only thing that God can do. And here's the thing, Nick. Sometimes the watering comes through storms. Sometimes the watering is through a cool spring. Sometimes the watering is through a summer rain. But Nick, know that the rose will eventually be unfolded as long as it gets its source from the water. And I looked at him, I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, I guess. So hear me. You are going to be tempted to do this thing in your own might. Hey, I want that child that has left and is running from the Lord. I want him to come back, and so I will unfold this rose, and I will do it myself. And we find that we just have petals and pieces. I will figure out my finances my own. I don't want to talk to anybody about it. I don't want to get wisdom from it. I'll just do it, whatever that means. I'll just... Lie a little bit on my taxes, not a big deal. The more I try to do it in my own strength and the more I try to hydrate myself, the more my life looks like petals on the ground. But when I say, Lord, I'll take your water. Lord, I will allow your refreshing rain. I will allow the rain from the storm to come and to do something that I can't see initially. But I know that you're working and you're moving. And eventually I look back over my life and I see that the rose has been opened before my eyes, not because I worked harder, but because the king is a gardener and he knows what he's doing. I say that to you again. The king knows what he's doing. And so for us to continue in worship today, our worship team is going to sing a song that really is our prayer. And in this moment, you are allowed to sit where you are, but I want you to hear the words of this song because there's no better way I can think of to close a message out by by having someone sing over us what is true. In just a moment, I'll come back and close this out. But here's what is true. 
as the deer pants for the water, as long as that deer goes to the right well in the right spring, you know what ends up happening? That deer is satisfied. That deer is nourished. That deer is hydrated. So the writer of Psalms got it right. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul will longeth after thee. In normal speak, I would say it this way. I will go to the well of the Lord and drink until I'm full and then drink again and again and again. And I know that eventually I will be hydrated and full. So as Pam sings over us, I pray that you sit here and hear the words of this song as we continue to worship. There's a quiet place that gives me peace when I'm alone with you. There's a hiding place, your spirit's always there when I'm confused. Yeah. Only you can purify all this world won't ever satisfy my heart. It cries. So 
Oh. 